Hello and welcome to this episode of Bite Size Medicine. In this review, we are going to discuss anorectal diseases, including hemorrhoids, anal fissure, pilondel disease, and uh, hydradenitis suppurativa, as well as perorectal abscess, anal fistula, and squamous cell carcinoma of the anus. Discussing hemorrhoids, the first question is, what are hemorrhoids? Hemorrhoidal vessels, or hemorrhoids, are fibrovascular cushions that are normal parts of anal canal located in the submucosa of the lower rectum near the dentate line. Now, what is the difference between internal and external hemorrhoids? Internal hemorrhoids are the ones located proximal to the dentate line, while the external ones are distal to the dentate line. Where is the exact location of these three hemorrhoidal cushions? They are right anterior, right posterior, and left lateral. What is their main function? They contribute to up to 20% of the anal canal's resting pressure and therefore help maintain fecal continence. They also bulge during valsalva and cough and further help continence. Also, they have sensory function to distinguish liquid from solid stool, which further solves in the maintenance of continence. Then what is hemorrhoidal disease? Abnormal enlargement of the hemorrhoidal venous plexus is called hemorrhoidal disease, sometimes referred to as hemorrhoids. What are the risk factors of hemorrhoids? Both constipation and chronic diarrhea, uh, prolonged straining during defecation, prolonged sitting associated with a sedentary lifestyle and obesity, as well as advanced age are associated risk factors. Regardless of the grading of hemorrhoids, what are the common symptoms of hemorrhoids? Itching, pain, bleeding, and prolapse. However, remember, 40% of patients are asymptomatic and pain only occurs on advanced grades. So what is the gradings of hemorrhoids? Grade 1 are the ones that are prominent hemorrhoidal plexus, only detectable on inspection or anoscopy. They are said to bulge into anal canal, but not prolapse. What's the only possible finding clinically of the grade 1 regarding the symptoms? They could be only associated with occasional painless bleeding. The sign is bulging into anal canal, only detectable on inspection or anoscopy. What is grade 2? From grade 2 onwards, hemorrhoids can prolapse. In grade 2, they reduce spontaneously. What are the symptoms of grade 2 hemorrhoids? In addition to painless bleeding, we could have burning and itching. Pay attention that we still don't have pain. What is grade 3? The hemorrhoids that prolapse must, must be manually reduced. In other words, they don't reduce spontaneously. What are the symptoms of grade 3? In addition to bleeding, burning, and itching that we had on grade 2, the grade 3 could also have mucoid drainage. And finally, what is the grade 4 hemorrhoids? They prolapse and they are irreducible manually. And now in grade 4, we also have pain in addition to painless bleeding, mucoid drainage, itching and burning that we had on previous grades. Now we have pain. So if it's a hemorrhoid with painful bleeding, it is grade 4 that can't be reduced manually. How do we diagnose hemorrhoids? Diagnosis is usually clinical, made by inspection and digital rectal examination. However, circumferential anoscopy is usually indicated for assessment of hemorrhoids to rule out other differential diagnoses, including malignancies, inflammations, and infections or fissures and skin tags, among other possible diagnoses. 
what is a common patient complaint when they have hemorrhoids? Complaint of a sensation of fullness in the anal area and symptoms that worsen with bowel movement, including possibility of painless bleeding. Discuss the treatment of hemorrhoids. Look at the treatment approach to hemorrhoids as first non-pharmacologic therapy, then followed by medical or even surgical. Or in other words, think of it in terms of grade-based management. What is the therapeutic options for grade 1 hemorrhoids? It's mainly diet and lifestyle modification. What are these diet and lifestyle non-pharmacologic therapies? Avoidance of constipation and straining with defecation or in general avoidance of prolonged sitting on toilet plus high fiber diet. What's the definition of high fiber diet? It's a diet that includes 20 to 30 grams per day of fiber. True or false, bowel movements on a schedule could help patients with hemorrhoids. That's wrong. Actually, bowel habit modification should include no scheduling or forced bowel movements, but rather spontaneous per needed bowel movements. Other component, of course, of dietary modification includes increased fluid intake. What's the recommended fluid intake for patients with hemorrhoids? Six to eight glasses of water per day. What are other lifestyle measures? Exercise, cleaning with mild soap and water after defecation, and warm soaks, which includes 15 minutes three times a day after defecation, as well as sits baths. What's the treatment for grade 2 hemorrhoids? In addition to the previous lifestyle and dietary modifications, add rubber band ligation. Rubber has two Bs and that will help you remember that's for grade 2. What is alternative to rubber band ligation for grade 2 or 3 hemorrhoids? In grade 2 and 3, if the symptoms are severe or refractory to the previously mentioned modifications, we can use infrared coagulation of the hemorrhoidal vessels. And finally, when do we recommend surgical hemorrhoidectomy? For all grade 4 hemorrhoids or grade 3 with severe symptoms that doesn't respond to rubber band ligation or infrared coagulation. Now, in general, if you are asked what are the acute management options for hemorrhoids, what's the answer? Bulk fiber supplementation, including psyllium extract or mucilloids, topical hydrocortisone, 1 to 3% cream or ointment, even topical anesthetics such as lidocaine, stool softeners, and glycerin suppositories. Chronic management include, as we mentioned, rubber band ligation or infrared photocoagulation or even laser or cautery hemorrhoidectomy as well as cryodestruction and injection sclerotherapy. And finally, what are the possible complications of hemorrhoids? Thrombosis, bleeding, infection, anal stenosis and weakness. Now let's discuss anal fissures. First of all, where is the most common location for primary anal fissure? Posterior midline. What is the appearance of anal fissures? They appear as superficial tear in anoderm with sentinel tag. Anatomic skill keeper, what is the boundaries of the anal canal? Is from the dentate line to the anal verge. What is exactly this sentinel tag? It's a lump at the caudal aspect of the fissure, while hypertrophied papilla are on the proximal end. Define the epidemiologic distribution of the anal fissure. Anal fissure is more common among men, and that is why we said the posterior midline is the most common location, while in women, it's more common to have anterior anal fissure. What is the timing cutoff point for acute versus chronic fissure? If the anal fissure pain is less than eight weeks, it's acute and otherwise it's chronic. Compare and contrast 
signs and symptoms of acute versus chronic anal fissure. Acute fissure usually has sharp burning or tearing pain accompanied the passage of a stool with possible bright red blood on toilet paper or a streak of blood on the stool or in the water. It also appears externally as a fresh laceration. While pain is less intense in chronic fissure, the main features include perianal pruritus or skin irritation. Also remember the sentinel skin tag as well as as well as hypertrophied anal papilla are the features of chronic anal fissure. What you expect on physical exam, digital rectal exam of a patient with anal fissure, in addition to the tear, we have increased sphincter tone. These are also the same findings that could be reported on anoscopy. What are the features of atypical fissures? Locations other than midline and extension proximal to the dentate line. Atypical features usually indicates an underlying disease process. What are important differential diagnosis of anal fissure to consider. Mainly consider conditions that cause anal pain, especially thrombosed hemorrhoids as well as anal canal carcinoma and anal fistulas. What is important consideration when examining a patient for anal fissure? That digital rectal exam requires initial lubrication with the entire anus receiving anesthetic gel. When more diagnostic studies are required in patients with anal fissure, when there are symptoms suggestive of inflammatory or neoplastic diseases, we need to perform proctosigmoidoscopy or colonoscopy. How do we approach the treatment of anal fissure? Similar to hemorrhoids, we initiate with non-pharmacologic therapies and dietary modifications, and we proceed with acute versus chronic management options. What are the first steps for the management of anal fissure? Sits bats plus high-fiber diet and increased oral fluid intake. So how do we approach the anal fissure? If it is acute, we start with stool softeners and diet modification with increased fiber and fluid intake, as well as sits baths. What are the treatment requirements for the chronic anal fissure? If it lasts more than six to eight weeks, we continue with calcium channel blockers or nitrous oxide donors. These include topical nitroglycerin ointment or topical nifedipine ointment. If the patient with chronic anal fissure fails to respond to either nitroglycerin or calcium channel blockers, what is the next management option, botulinum toxin injection or lateral internal sphincterotomy. What is the surgical procedure if the patient with chronic anal fissure doesn't have hypertonic sphincter but has hypotonic sphincter? Instead of sphincterotomy, we use anoplasty. What patients are not good candidates for sphincterotomy? Older patients or multiparous women who are at high risk for developing fecal incontinence. For these patients with chronic anal fissure, we prefer botulinum toxin injection. That said, let's discuss the fecal incontinence. What is the definition of fecal incontinence? It's an uncontrolled passage of fecal material of more than 10 milliliter for at least one month in an individual older than three years. How do we diagnose the fecal incontinence? It's a clinical diagnosis combined with flexible sigmoidoscopy or anoscopy. What is the most accurate test for diagnosis of fecal incontinence? Anorectal manometry. Remember that anorectal manometry is both best and most accurate test when special the patient has a history of anatomic injuries. What are the three modes of treatments available for patients with fecal incontinence? Medical, biofeedback, and surgical therapy. What are the recommended medical management 
treatment for fecal incontinence. Blocking agents such as fibers. What are the biofeedbacks? They include control exercises and muscle strengthening exercises. What is the next step in the management? If the patient fails to respond to bulking and biofeedback exercises, we proceed with injection of solesta, which is a mixture of dextranumer and hyaluronic acid. And if the patient fails this injection of solesta, we proceed with colorectal surgery. Now, what is pylonidal disease or pylonidal cyst? It is a painful fluctuant mass that develops in the anal area of obese individuals, with its main manifestation being purulent, bloody, or mucoid discharge. Remember that pylonidal disease can manifest either as acute abscess or chronic draining pits along the gluteal clefts. The pathogenesis includes blockage of the follicles in midline gluteal clefts, but hair is not the cause. Very important to remember is that pylonidal abscess is usually without swelling or cellulitis. How is it managed? It's usually managed with surgical drainage. What are the important differential diagnosis of pylonidal disease? Most of the conditions with anorectal discharge. What are the differentials of anorectal discharge? They include pylonidal disease, anal fistula, anal or rectal cancer or polyps, anal warts, hydradenitis suppurative, mucosal and rectal prolapse, fecal incontinence, and a couple other differentials. What component of the skin is infected in hydradenitis suppurative? It's an infection of the cutaneous apocrine sweat glands. These infected glands can rupture and form subcutaneous sinus tracts, and that's the reason for the drainage. Once more, define the typical case presentation of pylonidal disease. Pain in intergluteal region, especially worsened by activities that stretch this area, such as bending or sit-ups, plus presence of mucopurulent or bloody discharge. What's the treatment of pylonidal disease? As you mentioned, surgical drainage. If it's recurrent, what's the management? Sinus tract excision. This brings us to the discussion of fistula in anus and perirectal abscess. What are the different names of this anorectal abscess? It could be called um, perirectal abscess as well, as they can progress to the perianal skin or to other spaces, and then they are given the name of that space. For example, it could be called ischiorectal abscess if it's spread to the ischiorectal fossa. What are the risk factors for anorectal abscess? Malignancy or leukemia, immune deficiency conditions, including also diabetes and corticosteroid therapy, and recent surgeries. What are the symptoms of anorectal abscess or perirectal abscess? Localized perirectal or anal pain, erythema or cellulitis, and presence of mass and inspection or palpation. There could also be fever and even sepsis, especially with deep abscesses. Define the workup of perirectal abscess. Physical exam to focus on presence of crepitance, bearing in mind that deep abscesses are only detected by digital rectal exam or imaging. Then local culture for mixed aerobic cocci and anaerobes. True or false, blood culture is not indicated for assessment of perirectal abscess. That's true even though local cultures are indicated, blood culture is not routinely indicated on Except if the patient is 
toxic or unstable or is febrile or is an immunocompromised patient. Also remember that given the fact that undiagnosed diabetes in older adults can manifest as perirectal abscess, all patients, especially older age patients with perirectal abscess should be detected for diabetes by checking blood sugar. Similar to blood culture, imaging studies are usually not indicated, especially if the abscess is not internal. What is the differential diagnosis of perirectal abscess? That of anal discharge. And what is the treatment again incision and drainage on top of that if there's any necrotic tissue there is surgical debridement needed if there is any fistula formation there needs to be fistulotomy and all patients with perirectal abscess should receive broad spectrum empiric antibiotics that covers mixed skin and enteric flora true or false prior to antibiotic management there needs to be wound culture that is false, even though we say it requires incision drainage. Uh, routine ruined culture is not needed, and antibiotic therapy is empiric for the coverage of enteric and skin mixed flora. And finally, remember that only the types that are supralevator or intersphincter would require internal incision and drainage by incisions in the rectal wall. Now, talking about anal fistula, what is the origin of anal fistulas? They have the same origin as that of perirectal or anorectal abscesses and that is anal crypt glands at the level of dentate line. Remember that obstruction of these glands is the pathogenesis of perirectal abscess and when a tract connects these abscesses from crypt glands to perirectal skin that is called anorectal fistula. What are the common types of anorectal fistulas? Superficial versus extra sphincter, trans sphincter, inter sphincter, or supra sphincter fistula. What are the major underlying conditions or risk factors for fistula in ano? Perirectal abscess, Crohn's disease, surgeries such as episiotomy, and other risk factors such as actinomycosis, TB, chronic constipation, trauma including anal intercourse, and malignancy. What are the symptoms of fistula in ano? Non healing anorectal abscess which is with drainage and pain following drainage or chronic purulent discharge in other words consider a recurrent perianal abscess to be a fistula unless proven otherwise what is good sal rule it's a rule that helps identify internal opening of fistulas anterior or posterior to a line or plate that connects the scale spines what's the common workup of fistula in ano digital rectal exam gentle probing of external orifice of the fistula and anoscopy However, remember, given the fact that IBDs and cancer could be a, a culprit, most patients would require proctosigmoidoscopy as well for the assessment of fistula. And what is the management of fistula in ANA? Surgery, with the goals being recurrence prevention and sphincter preservation. What are the common surgical modalities used? Fistulotomy, setan method, and lift fistulectomy. What is setan method? It's a vessel loop of plastic silicon that is set for drainage to form chronic fibrosis along the fistula. It's usually done prior to the lift procedure, which is ligation of interesphincteric fistula tract. What is fistulotomy? Is unroofing and epithelial removal of the fistula tract that allows secondary healing, but is usually done on multiple stages to prevent damage to the sphincter. Now, what are the risk factors of squamous cell carcinoma of the anus? HIV infection, as well as being the receptive of anal intercourse. What are the clinical manifestations of squamous cell carcinoma of the anus? A fungating mass grows out of the anus. 
metastatic inguinal nodes are often palpable. How is the squamous cell carcinoma of the anus diagnosed? With biopsy. What is the treatment regimen? It's a negro chemoradiation protocol. What is included in it? 5-FU mitomycin and radiation. This is then followed by surgery if there is residual tumor. True or false? Most patients with squamous cell carcinoma of the anus would require surgery. That's false. Currently, 5V chemoradiation protocol has 90% success rate. Thank you. This finishes our discussion of a rectal diseases.